You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show this Tuesday morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to our listeners. How are you doing? I'm keeping well, thanks. How's your voice? A little raspy. <laughs> uh, Alex and I were down at, we were not down together at the ballpark, but we were together at the ballpark to watch the Jays last night. Alex, you've been to a few games already? Yes, I was fortunate to make it to, uh, I believe, three of the first four games. Oh, yeah. good for you. Now, I wouldn't watch after the first couple of games, so they had to get yeah. me back on board. I had to convince you. I know you did. I know Thankfully, you did. Thankfully, they won. This is an exhausting time for me. We've got the Leafs, the Raptors, and the Jays now all going, and we've got some uh, really good teams. I'm hoping that the Jays stay really good. Uh, the, the, in April uh, last year, it was it nearly killed me. It nearly broke me last year, but this year's starting off a little better, so I'm very happy. Yeah, I wasn't convinced the first after the first uh, oh my gosh. two games, but... No. Thankfully, first hit, first drop. Yeah. I shut the TV off. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I can't do it. It really, it's not good for my heart. Sports. I'm just not. It's just not a a, a stress reliever for me. It, it it actually really makes my heart race. But I'm one for one watching games live, so that's great. Yes. <laughs> and happy Easter to everybody. Belated happy Easter. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Today's show is live. We have an in-studio guest with us, so it's a real treat today. You can reach us at 416-245-1534. You can hit us up on all our social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. We are posting more and more content there for you about our guests, about our upcoming shows, and health things in general. So so do follow us. Lots of interesting things for you there. If you'd like to email us, we are at thh at radiomaria.ca. We get back fairly quickly with all of your questions. So that's an easy way to get a hold of us. If you have questions about the show, questions about things you might like to see in the upcoming or here in the upcoming uh, programming. So that's also awesome. And do know as well that all of our shows are flipped over by Talented Alex into a podcast. And you can find them on Sound cloud and on itunes so all of these shows are there for your downloading experience we've had amazing guests we have amazing guests coming up an amazing guest today so i do encourage you to to take a listen to soundcloud and itunes and take advantage of all the podcasts so i think most of you know that i have two doggies and actually one of my doggies is going in for surgery next week he's got a, a ligament that he blew out with all of his exercising so we're a little bit anxious about that but that's just a little bit left of what i wanted to talk to you about um we had a couple of shows around pets which were really kind of fun and a lot of great response from that uh one of the shows i think was um grieving pets and and yes, how, that's right. yeah and that was a really interesting show a lot of good response from that but uh with that in mind and just because i had my little doggy harley on my mind the last couple of days as we decided that he needed this surgery i wanted to give you a few things that i take from my human pantry to feed my dogs a lot of questions come up um, on the internet. I've had people just generally ask me what I feed my dog. I think they think that my nutrition uh, background extends to animals. It doesn't, but, you know, I, I do do some research. And um, when Harley first hurt his leg, we thought it was just maybe a bit of inflammation. So we tried to give him some fish oil to calm him down or to calm the inflammation down. But uh, the injury was a little bit too too severe um, for that. But anyways, it brought to mind a couple of, well, three things I've, I'm bringing to you today that I always give my dogs, not every day, but very, very often. Um, the first one is apples. I love giving my doggies apples and they love it too. You know, giving your dogs healthy treats is is as important um, as giving ourselves healthy treats. You don't want to give your dog fattening uh, treats that are full of, of 
not so good stuff. So apples are an amazing treat. They've got a bit of sweetness to them. They've got fiber, which helps, you know, their digestive system. It also is great for their microbiome. It can also freshen the breath, which is a good byproduct of chewing on an apple. You don't need to take the skins off, but I do take, uh, most times I take the seeds out. Every once in a while, I'll just pop a, a core to one of them. The seeds do contain a little bit of cyanide. So, you know, every once in a while, nothing's going to harm them. But if, if it's a, if it's something that you're giving your dogs all the time, I would recommend taking the seeds out. But every once in a while, it's not a big deal. The other thing that um, I give my dogs, and a lot of people find it very funny, is kefir. And I give them milk kefir. Um, it's great for your pup to help their gut health. The first time we gave our dogs kefir, I, they looked like cats to me because, you know, it's a milk product and in their bowls and they were lapping it up like a little kitten and they love it. <laughs> and again, you know, it's great for their gut, great probiotic food. And if your dog is on antibiotics, again, just as we take a probiotic when we're taking antibiotics, so too can they. Um, some dogs are lactose intolerant, and if that's the case, you can give them coconut kefir. So another great product. So, you know, before bed, my husband, myself, and our two dogs share, share some kefir. And the final thing that um, I wanted to talk to you about today is coconut oil. Now, this was one of the things that we gave Harley when we were hoping that we could calm his leg down. But um, coconut oil is a great fat for, um, for us, a great fat for our dogs. And really helps with skin conditions. So a lot of dogs suffer um, eczema. They can they can get eczema for um, many different reasons. So co- coconut oil can help with the eczema, both taking internally and topically. Um, it's great for your dog's coat. So uh, and I'm talking about ingesting it. We give our dogs um, about a teaspoon each a day. Okay. And yeah, it's great. I mean, their coats it just keeps their coats really really nice. So another great uh, benefit of that. Topically, you know, it can help with wounds. So if they've got a little cut, we use it on the bottom of their paws. Now. It is a little bit messy sometimes, so generally it's before bed. So when we know they're going to sleep, we'll put a little bit on some cracked paws. Um, but any wound, you know, around the mouth uh, area, the lips and so forth, you can give it a try there. I know they do tend to lick it off because they really do enjoy the flavor of it, but you can give it a shot. <laughs> um, again, bad for bad breath. So that's uh, another thing that you can you can do if your dog is, you know, continually puffing at you with a, a gross smell. So good for bad breath and very good for joint health. So again, this is why we started it off with Harley. It didn't really work for him because uh, he has blown a ligament in his leg, but very good for, for joint health. If your dog's a really active dog, coconut oil can be really helpful, helpful for him or her. So on to today's show. Very interesting show. I'm going to learn a lot. Uh, we're talking about doulas and we're talking about birthing and home births and hospital births and so forth. And this really um, wasn't when I had my kids. My oldest son is 27 really wasn't um, in front of me at the time. So it's really something that um, I've, I've researched as opposed to being having experience with it. And we have Stephanie Antunes with us today, and she's in studio. She's a live guest, so it's an extra added treat. So if you want to speak to her directly, um, you can call in, as we mentioned. Now, Stephanie is a visionary in the childbirth field. She leads the Discover Birth Organization, providing a variety of services to expectant parents and training for those wishing to pursue work in the childbirth field. Stephanie is president of the Ontario Association of Doulas, former public relations director for DONA International, and sits on many local boards and coalitions to improve our communities. She is a DONA-approved birth doula trainer. Stephanie is the founder of the Birth Doula Program at the Scarborough Hospital. She is a contributing author in the best-selling Power of Women United and Bearing Witness, Childbirth Stories Told by Doulas, and she is a regular contributing writer and blogger and has done many interviews online for TV and radio. So when we get back to talk to Stephanie, we'll be learning about what is a doula, the difference between doulas and midwives, and we're going to be talking about home birthing and if it's right for you. So we will return and talk to Stephanie after this break. up in darkness surrounded by silence so where where have I gone I woke to reality 
losing its grip on me. Oh, where, where have I gone? Cause I can see the light before I see the sun Searched for you. What took me so long? I was looking outside as if love would ever want to hide. I'm finding I was wrong. Cause I can feel. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are live with our in-studio guest, Stephanie Antunes. Thank you, Stephanie, for coming in. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's great. It's great to have a face-to-face. I can look at somebody instead of looking at my, my fat microphone in front of me, <laughs> so it is nice. So let's get right into it. Doulas. This is, um, as I mentioned, it's not something I, I had heard of midwives, and, and back twenty seven years ago, that was something that I, I don't even. It wasn't even in the in the forefront of anything that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. So, explain to me what a doula is and what a doula does. Sure. So, a doula is essentially a professional birth coach, if you will, or parenting coach. We typically support people in the perinatal period, so pregnancy, birth, and early parenthood. And it's someone who's there to fill a few roles that are different from the nurses and doctors and midwives that are going to be supporting us from that medical side. So doulas are basically non-medical professionals. That's not our experience. That's not our role. Although we understand a lot of the medical side of things, it's really not our focus. We're there to make sure that people are coming away from their experience saying, That was amazing, whether or not it went exactly as we might have had planned or not. Well, you've had kids. I've had kids. Sometimes it doesn't go as planned. Mm -hmm. I had an emergency C-section. So that support would be so beneficial to somebody. You know, as you said, nothing actually goes 
always as planned. So to have somebody there to to calm you down, to to tell you what's happening, because sometimes in a situation where things are going a little bit left of where you thought, moms and dads can get a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. So having that calming influence there would be great as the medical issues are being tended to. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is we all have this vision for what how our birth is going to unfold and what it might look like from the things we've read or the stories we've heard. And then it might be completely different. And having someone there that we've chosen, that we've met with a bunch of different doulas and we've said, ah, this is the one that I really connect with and the one that I want. And knowing that person's on call for you and is going to be there your entire birth. That's different. We, you know, when we go into the hospital, we get whatever doctor or nurse is on call that day. We don't, we don't get to choose exactly who we want. So that doula is that person we've chosen and is there start to finish. So one of the things we say about doulas is we offer continuity of care. And that's what that means is we're there the entire time. We're there to get to know people prenatally and what's important to them. Because what might be important to one person is very different from what might be important to the other person. So we're there to understand their desires and what matters to them, that family, and then have that continuity of care and be that support. And like you said, no matter what's going on medically, that's not our role. So we just get to be there 100% for the parents. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing this 15 years, so I jokingly say I've been a doula since way before doula was cool, because doula is becoming super trendy and super cool, and is something that people are starting to realize the value and learn a lot about, and saying now, oh my gosh, I want a doula. I have people who are six weeks pregnant calling our organization and saying, hey, I want a doula. And that's amazing to me that someone who's just just barely pregnant is starting to think about how they want their birth to unfold and who they want to be with them. Why do you think the doulaism is that a word or the <laughs> let's rule, make it one. let's make it a word? Why is doulaism so cool these days? How have things changed from back in the day up until now? I mean, I think we could answer that so many different ways. When we think about the the history of birth, I mean, typically women have always been surrounded by women in birth. So that's actually really a normal desire and cultural thing across almost all cultures is people have been surrounded by compassionate, caring people separate from that midwife role have been those friends, family members, aunts, sisters, neighbors, all of those people surrounded us and they provided different levels of role and different types of roles. But there is compassionate care, emotional support, physical comfort, um, partner support. You know, there were people who were there to support our partner with advocacy and make sure that we were feeling like the queen that day. And I think people still want that. But medical role is getting more and more complex. So we're using more and more technology at birth. And what that means is there's a lot more focus on that than there is on the laboring person. And But that laboring person wants to feel like the queen for the day. So they're looking for that support. How can I still feel special? How can I have someone navigate this with me, knowing that I don't get to choose what doctor ends up being there that day or what nurse I get that day? And that those people have other responsibilities too. Well, you know, I've had four kids. You've had three. Birthing isn't meant to be a procedure. Mm-hmm. It it really is, you know, after after nine months of carrying your child and getting to know your child, um, partners too, you know, there's there's the talking to the baby. And, and, and it, it's definitely, you know, it's such a loving nine months that to, to have it looked at as a procedure to take this baby out is giving maybe the wrong impression of how maybe holistically we want to view childbirth. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I mean, I think that's a huge point. I would love to see the amount of effort, energy, resources that we invest into our wedding days. I'd love to see that invested into our our birthday because there's literally not a more transformative moment in our life than birthing a child. I mean, think about before you were a parent and then after your parent. There's there is no bigger transition in life than that. And I don't think we put enough energy and and money and resources and time spending preparing for that. Most of us spend more time choosing a car than we do choosing our medical care provider for our birth. And I'm not sure that makes sense. Well, it's funny that there's one commercial. I don't know. It is for a car, I believe. And the parents go in all happy before the birth and they come out and it looks like they've been through a a tailwind and they're, (laughs) you know, they've got this baby. And it's true. You know, you go in as two, you come out as three and Mm -hmm. life forever is different. Mm -hmm. And do you do you prepare your couples for this? 
Yeah, so that's a big part of it is that we're there to help them figure out what's going to be right for them. We know, of course, that this is the the generation of parents that has access to more information than any other generation in history, in the history of mankind. But amazingly, it's also the least experienced generation of his of parents in the history of mankind. So we have more info, but we're less experienced. Think a hundred years ago, we would have been surrounded really close knit by our families. So we would have witnessed other people parent the newborn. We saw what it looked like to breastfeed a baby, to care for a newborn baby. And now we don't have that. With the nuclear family, we're more, we're more distanced. A lot of us live in different countries or cities from our families. We don't have that experience of parenting a newborn. Many of my clients have never held a newborn before, and they're going to be sent home after 24 to 48 hours. Here you go. Good luck. And they're kind of freaking out a little bit. And of course they are. I mean, think about how much training we get for our jobs to prepare us for that. And we have so little to prepare us for parenthood. So we're there to help them figure out what matters to them, what's important, and where to go for the good information without an agenda, though. So we're not coming and saying, here's how you have to parent, and here's how you have to feed your baby, and here's how you have to birth, but rather, hey, here's some options. What feels right for you? And let me help guide you to that goal. Do you think, I actually first heard of doulas from like the yoga community. The mm-hmm. They seem to be the one, once I started practicing yoga, you know, and just sort of reading up about yoga. I like to, um, I study a lot. So when I do something, I like to to learn the history perhaps a little bit. And this is where my first exposure was to somebody who had a doula. My next door neighbor had a midwife. She had a home birth, but she didn't have a doula. And we'll get to the differences between that in a little bit. But is being a doula and having a doula part of an, a, a spiritual experience with the birth, would you say? It can be if that's what someone wants it to be, but it could also be someone's planning a cesarean and and hires us to be there for for their surgical birth experience because a, a birth is a birth is a birth. So what matters to us is how the birthing person and their partner, if applicable, feel supported and cared for and nurtured through the experience. I mean, I think becoming a parent is a spiritual experience, period. Mm-hmm. So having someone who's there to help focus on that aspect versus the medical aspect, you know, because I always say, if you ask people, you know, what, what's the goal, what's the goal for the birth? And someone might say, well, a healthy mom and baby, that's what you always hear, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, do you want a boy or a girl? I just want a healthy baby. Well, what does that even mean? Because to some care providers, they just want them alive. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're concerned with, um, you know, no mortality or low mortality, but there's also what we call morbidity, which is just, People not being well, not being physically well, so still being harmed through the experience, but alive. So, well, what about that? So some people, health of mother and baby is the least amount of morbidity. But what we could go further than that. Well, what about emotional health? What about spiritual health? Right? What, are, what about those things? Because I'll tell you, someone who leaves their birth experience who's alive, but is physically damaged or is emotionally traumatized from their experience that is not a healthy mother for mm-hmm. that baby. And the long-term success of that of that mother-infant dyad in that family is reduced. We know that infants in the first six years of, of their life is the most one of the most important times of their life in terms of nurturing and, and education and bonding and growth. Well, if you've got a mother who is completely demoralized and traumatized and disenfranchised from a birthing experience, I mean, that doesn't bode well for that family and that child progress. So you walk into a couple's situation with no expectations, no um, preconceived ideas for the for this couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm getting at here is, you know, when I when I first started thinking about the show, I'm thinking doula home birth. Mm-hmm. So you're you're not walking in there with this is our objective to have the baby at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll do it as natural as possible. And then we'll see where it goes. You're walking in there saying, what do you want? Is that correct? So the modern day professional doula 
Yes, that's right. So I think if we look back at the history of doulas, I think it did start a lot like that. It did start a lot with the people who were planning the home births and who were wanted an unmedicated birth and who were saying, I think a doula helps me, you know, increase my chances. And we do know statistically, there's a lot of research on doulas. We know that when a doula is present, the parents are less likely to have interventions in their birth. So they are less likely to have medication, cesareans and all those things. Um, but absolutely, that's not the goal for us as a doula in a modern day professional doula role. It's to support people. Okay. Now, are there doulas that are cultural? So um, what I'm saying is you're, you have an association, you train a number of people. Would you, if someone phones in from an Indian background, would you have a doula suitable that they would know that cultural background or does that matter? So we definitely try to connect people with doulas that are the most appropriate fit for them. And so if someone sharing the cultural background is important to a client, then that's absolutely the doula that they should look for. Okay. All right. Now, when we come back, I want to, this time has flown. It's such an interesting Mm -hmm. topic. We need to discuss the difference between a midwife and a doula. That is something that when I was talking to people about having you on the show, oh, is that different from a midwife? Mm -hmm. So when we come back, we are going to jump into that topic. We're going to get a little bit more to the training of, of a doula and really dive deep into how this can be just a wonderful, wonderful add to, to childbirth. So we'll be back in a few minutes. smile cuz it's been a while it's been like a whole day since i stopped so you could hold me but this child away strong in the faith lord you are the refuge that i can't wait to get to cuz i can't let it Seems to rain all my dreams. It's not a big, not a big deal. Let it wash all the bugs off my windshield. Cause God showing me in you I'm free. And you're still the refuge that I've just got to get to. So I won't let it day go. Won't let it day go by. So put the drop top down, turn it up. I'm ready to fly. And Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, 
Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, our social media sites are at the Health Hub RMC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you'd like to email us, we're at thh at radiomaria.ca. So that first half flew by, and I want to make sure that we get Stephanie everything that needs to be told to people out because I wished I had had a doula when I had had my kids. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't have a doula either. No. So how did you get into this then? So it was really the big contrast between my first birth and my second birth that piqued my interest. My first birth, I, it was actually kind of pre-internet. The internet existed, but we didn't, no one had it at home. It was just, just starting. And so I had two books and I read those books cover to cover and really thought, ah, women have been having babies for thousands of years. What do I have to worry about? And then was completely disillusioned by my experience because of the I, I'm going to call it the technocratic model. So where a bunch of technology was thrown at me at my birth that wasn't needed. And I didn't understand why I didn't feel good about that experience right after. I just know it, it felt not great. But four years after that, I was pregnant with my second son. And I thought, you know what? My mom raised me with the saying, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I'm going to do things differently with this birth. And I specifically chose my doctor. I specifically chose my hospital. And I took Lamaze classes, like prenatal classes. And I jokingly say that those Lamaze classes changed my life because it was the first time I was in my mid-20s. It was the first time in my life that someone opened my mind to the idea of being my, my own healthcare advocate of being an informed decision maker. You know, I remember saying, I really hate needles. And the educator saying, oh, well, did you know that research says in an uncomplicated labor, you don't have to have an IV? But where you're going, they do them routinely. So you're going to need to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. I went, advocate? What does that mean? She goes, you know, like, say no. I was like, say no? Exactly. What? No one had ever opened my mind to the possibility of just saying what worked or not for me in my healthcare. And it changed my life. And after that birth, that birth was transformative for me. It was transformative. I felt like a different parent after that birth. And you know, in terms of how long it lasted and how much pain I felt, it was very similar to my first birth. But how I felt coming out of it because I had been that informed decision maker, it was huge. I felt like a confident parent. Mm-hmm. Well, it, plus with the birth of your first child, you don't, you really don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And you know, to have somebody there to... Um, explain even sensations. I remember when I was, I I remember the birth of my first child completely. And what is that? And what's going Mm -hmm. on? And, you know, just to have someone say, you know, everything is going smoothly, or this is the situation, and that's what they're going to do. It would be so calming. And and such, you know, and you know, you've got your partner there in most situations. and, and, And sometimes they're helpful. And sometimes they're as invested in the anxiousness as mom. So to have somebody that you trust, because when do you come into this whole process? Ideally, when would you come in to a couple situation? Yeah, so that's really going to be dependent on when someone feels like they would benefit from that support. Um, so sometimes we work with people and they're three months pregnant. Sometimes people hire us a month before they're due, say, realizing, oh my gosh, I don't think I want to do this on my own. So it really depends. I think earlier is better for a few different reasons. One, it allows people to spread out their payments for the doula because doulas aren't covered by OHIP. Um, they're covered by a couple of benefit companies, but usually only under health spending accounts. So typically people are paying out of pocket for this. So the sooner they hire doulas, the, you know, the easier it is on the budget. And getting into budget then, mm-hmm. is that something that you could discuss as a general, yeah. a general thing? I'm sure you have packages or. Exactly. So some people need a, want a lot of visits and some people maybe have a tight budget, but typically birth doula package would include meeting at least one meeting before the birth, usually more than that. Attendance at the birth, no matter how long it is. And then one postpartum visit after at home once baby's here. And I would say depending on where people live, but in the greater Toronto area, we're talking about, you know, anywhere from 800 to maybe $1,300 for a basic package. Uh, it's going to be lesser in rural areas and suburbs uh, and then higher in the urban centers, similar to to everything, I guess. Now, would you be involved if wanted even before conception? Like, do you help people along with that aspect of, of um, childbirth? Yeah, so there are people who specialize in that and often we'll hear that uh, referred to as full spectrum doula support. That could include, you know, various things around conception and and fertility. Um, but typically what we are most known for is birth doula work and postpartum doula work. So either for pregnancy birth specifically or for that early parenting journey. And then what's involved 
after birth as far as the doula role? So then it's really about helping people transition into parenthood. So having that person that's there with you when you have a million questions, why does my baby have this spot and that spot and this bump and this thing? Why is my baby making this sound and that sound? And literally someone there to answer all those questions to normalize normal newborn behavior because most of us don't know what's normal because we haven't seen other newborns. It's someone there to help with feeding. And then doulas, postpartum doulas also just help with anything that's going to make your life feel easier and better. So that might be walking your dog. And that might be tidying up your kitchen and doing some laundry and sweeping the floors. So it's really a full service kind of role to help people transition easier, more easily into parenthood. But the same doula you maintain throughout this whole process. You could. Some people just specialize in postpartum doula work. So there might be some people who just want that postpartum support. They don't feel they need the support during birth and they just want it after or that's how they choose to spend their budget. So it could be one, both or neither. And what is your training to become a doula? Yeah, so there are lots of different trainings. In fact, the last count, there were almost 100 different trainings around the world. So, of course, in Ontario, doulas are not a regulated profession. However, I'm here on behalf of the Association of Ontario Doulas, and we have gone through a process of figuring out what criteria we think is critical to meeting a minimum training standards, and we've approved nine training organizations. So people who are members of the Association of Ontario Doulas, parents can be reassured that they've done a training that we feel meets a minimum standard of criteria. So that involves some in-class training, and all of ours are in-person trainings. We currently don't approve online trainings. And then there's some required reading and hands-on experience working with families and getting evaluated by the care providers, so by the doctors, nurses, midwives. And they would be involved in in watching or being involved in an actual birth, I assume? Exactly. So yeah, that's that hands-on work either at birth or in the postpartum period where people are observing them, watching them, and then evaluating them on their their, their work. Awesome. Now, what is the difference between a midwife and a doula? Yeah. So, you know, when I first started, I remember 15 years ago and I would say, I'm a doula and people would say, what the heck is that? And then for a few years, people would say, is that like a midwife? No, it's not at all. So midwives have been legislated in Ontario since 94, about. And midwives have a four-year, a minimum four-year postgraduate degree. Most of them are, it's a postgraduate degree for most people. But it is, they're specialists, they're medical specialists in pregnancy, birth, and newborn care. So they are there to be a primary care provider and follow someone through their pregnancy, actually very similar to how a family doctor used to do in the old days. So they would handle low-risk pregnancies. Very few family doctors do continue to do births like they did 20, 30, 40 years ago and earlier. So midwives really are filling that role. They're the best care provider for a low-risk pregnancy. Obstetricians are really there to specialize in high-risk pregnancies. Although they can handle low-risk as well, midwives really, that's their area of specialization. So that's why people can choose to have their baby either at home or in the hospital About three quarters of people will still choose to have their baby in the hospital who are working with midwives, but home does become an option for people who choose that. Midwives, are are they allowed to give out medications? Uh, Midwives can do tests just like a family doctor would, but they wouldn't prescribe medications, no. So, of course, midwives could still use things like Pitocin if that's needed during the birth in a hospital. And depending on the midwife's relationship with the hospital and the privileges and things like that, they're always working in conjunction with the obstetrician that's on call there. Would you need a midwife and a doula? Well, I think so, but maybe I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) (laughs) The support is different between the two. It sounds like the midwife is more on the medical side of things, whereas in my my perception, it was that they were doing what what you are Mm -hmm. doing. So do midwives generally these days in Ontario offer the emotional support, um, the the, the support, the practical support that a doula would, would bring to a situation? So midwives absolutely want people to be informed decision makers in their care. That's one of the main tenants, tenants of midwifery. Um, however, their primary responsibility is still one of, of a medical role. And so remember keeping in mind that doulas don't have that to take up their time as doulas can always focus on the, the laboring person and their family members, whereas midwives are always going to have that medical responsibility. So doulas don't have to worry about things like charting and, you know, putting in IVs or, or dealing with all of those medical side of things. So midwives often provide a phenomenal level of emotional support. Um, but but doulas only 
have that non-medical role. Can doulas deliver babies? No, absolutely not. So that is outside of the scope of doula practice to do anything medical. Okay. Now, we talked about um, the hospital versus the home birth. And is it, you know, when I think of midwives, I'm thinking of more natural. I think of doula, more natural. Is it the objective to have your baby at home when you're hiring people such as yourself or a midwife? Uh, no, I don't think so. Really, most people actually hire midwives, still choose to have their baby in hospital. The The larger percentage of people choose that, about three quarters of people. So it's really, again, just about people having options. I think that's the main thing. When people have options, they feel well supported and they feel like an informed decision maker in their care. That's actually what research shows leads to satisfaction with birth experience. So it actually is less important whether someone used medication or didn't, had a cesarean or a vaginal birth. It's really about did someone feel well supported by the people around them, their care providers, and were they an informed decision maker in the care? Those are the things that matter most in terms of birth satisfaction. When you're birthing at home, um, well, I'll step back a bit because the thought just came to my mind is I had a friend who had a midwife. She was the first one that I ever, um, I knew personally that had a midwife since then. Um, I've known many mm-hmm. people, um, that have had people help them along, but would you say it's common for people to have midwives and doulas after their first birth, after maybe they're calm about the whole process? Um, that's what my friend did who was next door. She, mm-hmm. This was her third child. And she thought that, you know, what, I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. So do you find that happens at all? We do see that a lot where often what happens is someone had a birth that really wasn't what they expected or what they were hoping for. And they realize that their partners may be, although great emotional support, when the when things got a little bit tough and there was a bit of a fork in the road or a little bit of a hiccup, the partners lacked the experience to know how to navigate those waters. And that's the thing. You know, partners can be such amazing coaches and support, but I think it's really challenging for them to know how to navigate this when they're so emotionally tied to the experience and to be able to be that that objective you know, person with, without ever having attended a birth before, I think it's a really big burden, actually, sometimes to expect so much of someone who should just be able to enjoy their experience. Do you find that the partners are stepping out or stepping away from the situation? No. And actually, what's amazing to me is that when a doula is present, partners are typically more involved in the birth. If that's what they wanted to be, then because all of a sudden it's the weight is off their shoulders and you know the doula will look over at the partner that wants to be involved and show them how to do a nice little you know back massage or how to touch in a certain way and then motion for the partner to come on over and show them and then just step away and let them take over so actually a good doula would would make a partner feel more involved so they they have that option of stepping back. They don't have That's to be right. involved if it's a, get a, a little bit overwhelming for them. Yeah, and if there's a cultural or religious reason why they can't be touching, for example, which is common in many cultures and religions, is it allows the partner to be there and know that their partner is well-supported because there's that doula who can step in and do that hands-on support. So it actually provides a really, a really nice team approach. Are couples still going to classes before they have their birth? We had to go to classes before we had childbirth. So unfortunately, less and less people mm. are doing that. And I think that's a, that's one of those things where I was saying I would like to see people invest more time, energy, and money into their birth experiences. I think a good childbirth class can be so helpful in preparing and opening your mind to how things could go. I think what's happened is a lot of hospital, um, a lot of hospitals have taken over doing classes, and many of them are lecture based, and so not terribly, terribly fun. And then people say, "Oh, that was a you know was useless." But some of the classes that we provide are super fun and engaging and dynamic, and people love them and feel like they couldn't have done this birth without everything that they learned in those classes. I'd like to see more people taking those kinds of classes. So you offer classes for couples? Yeah. So a lot of doulas are also childbirth educators. And so then they would offer classes. And that's also one of the one of the ways that a lot of people will hire doulas is they'll see their childbirth educator who may also be a doula teaching and, and sharing information on all these techniques. And then they sit there watching and think, 
oh, yeah, I'd like to have that person with me at my birth and be doing all of that. So parents actually, so this is new for me, parents actually have to go seek out people to teach them about childbirth now. It's not you've seen your doctor and you should be taking this program. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that has changed. Yeah. And in our in this in the greater Toronto area, that those are only fee based. There are only fee based programs. There are not free programs in other parts of Ontario. There are in Canada, there are free classes. But in this particular area, there's only paid classes. Can you use your flex dollars for these classes? Not usually. Not usually. OK, um, that's really unfortunate. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Now, would you help a mom with nursing? Is that something you do or again, Absolutely. is that out of scope? No, doulas actually have specific training in breastfeeding. It's actually a required part of training. So they can absolutely help with early feeding, latch, and and common common issues. So very basic things. If it gets into complicated issues, then a doula would suggest that a lactation consultant be brought in. OK, now when you go to the hospital with uh, the parents-to-be, or the parents of, of another baby, are, how, is, how are you accepted in the hospital setting these days? Is it just one more person that the medical team has to deal with in the birthing room, or are you becoming a lot more mainstream and your value being appreciated at the hospital? Yeah, I mean, my last few experiences have been absolutely phenomenal. Walking in and, you know, the doctor or nurse turning and saying, oh, wonderful, we have a doula today, and just just amazing interprofessional relationships is what I've seen in the past five years as everyone has understood the role of the doula. So I think at the beginning, there was a lot of misunderstanding. It was confusion. Is this a midwife? What is this? Do they have a medical role? But I think we've now really clearly explained the scope of practice of a doula. And when doulas are working well within their scope of practice, everyone works well together. Now, I'm sure you don't have, um, it'd be hard to actually have in, in hard, cold facts, but You know, there was a period of time where we heard a lot about moms having depression after their baby and, and on, you know, we've kind of caped that as a hormone issue, but through your long experience, have you noticed that when women have the support of a female, I'm assuming that all these doulas are females. I should make that clear. (laughs) I have trained a couple of of male doulas. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Okay, the support of a doula in general, we won't be gender biased. Do you feel that women, the, the depression is is less, should we say? And I know, again, I'm not, I'm not looking for hard, cold studies or anything. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed that when you're working with people and, and easing and bringing that calm and peace of mind, that women come through the other side more mentally prepared? So there is actually some research showing that when a doula is present at a birth, that the, the birthing parent is less likely to have a perinatal mood disorder. So there actually is some concrete evidence to suggest that that's, that's the case. That's awesome. Yeah. It it's really amazing is. amazing to me that, the, you know, someone's presence at birth impacts how that person's feeling months down the road. It's, it's really quite a phenomenal role. And one of the early founders of the doula role, uh, John Kennel, is quoted as saying, if a doula were a drug, it would be unethical not to use it. You know, really for the statistical significance of the doula role, if there was a drug that did this, everyone would get it. The impact of a doula's presence lowers perinatal mood disorders, it lowers intervention rates. And while interventions and cesareans can be life-saving, the overuse of them is not is not ideal. And so having something there that can increase satisfaction, reduce NICU admissions, reduce interventions, I can't imagine anything better for this moment in life, really. That's, that's wonderful to have actually spoken out and talked about here because, again, uh, this is going to be new for a lot of people. So let's flip the coin here. Mm-hmm. You do training. You have programs. Mm-hmm. This may have sparked the interest of someone who doesn't want to go through university and four years of schooling but loves babies mm-hmm. like myself. What is the training for a doula? Who could be a doula? What, is the, what are the programs that you're offering now? Right. So absolutely anyone can be a doula. Male or female. Male or female, any level of background. Don't think you need to have a medical background to do this, because remember, it's not a medical role. So you're not expected to have all the answers. People always are working with other medical professionals to give them those answers. You're there to be a compassionate, non-judgmental, reliable support person. So if you can meet those criteria, then you can become a doula. I'm going to suggest that they go to OntarioDoulas.org, which is the Association of Ontario Doulas. 
There they can learn a little bit more of the approved programs, the approved training programs. There are a lot of different programs. Uh, I don't want to just pitch my own right now because it's one of many great programs out there. Um, but basically training typically involves a three-day in-class training over the course of a weekend and then a bunch of required reading, some self-study and some hands-on experience working with families. I've seen people certify in three months and I see people drag it out for a couple years, but you can work as quickly or as slowly as you choose to work in a way that fits your your personal lifestyle. I think doulas are of all ages or do mm. young parents prefer someone their age? What have, what have you seen trend-wise? All different. So I'll have someone that does say, hey, I'd like a doula my age. And then I have just as many people who say, you know, I'm really looking for that maternal figure. Mm-hmm. So I tra- I've trained people who are 16 years old and I've trained people... 16? Yeah. And I've trained people in their 70s. So there's no, there's no age limit on when you can start as a doula. And there are, you know, it can be a part-time job. It can be a full-time job. I mean, when I first started, there was unheard of for it to be a full-time job. But, you know, as a single mom, I support my family on on the income, as do many of the people who work on my teams. So it is absolutely a legitimate profession now. That's amazing. Why don't you pitch some of the things that you do? We've got a few minutes left, and it's your time to to Mm -hmm. tell us anything interesting that's coming up in your world. So the Association of Ontario Doulas is really excited to be announcing a new registered doula of Ontario designation. So similar to how massage therapists can be massage therapists or can be registered massage therapists, we now have this new registered doula of Ontario designation. And we are really looking forward to working with benefit companies to get them to approve people who have this designation certification, which is uh, an additional criteria that they have met to complete all of their certification requirements with their training organizations and are the highest level of doulas working in the province. So we're hoping that benefit companies will be listening to us and to the parents out there who are saying, please cover this service because it's so valuable. So we're excited to be announcing that. And of course, the association also has sponsored trainings as well. There's one coming up in June in Scarborough area of Ontario. So we are, we're always working on things. People can come to the website. Again, it's ontariodoulas.org to learn more and, uh, and to follow us. Okay, we're going to have to wrap it up here. It was a very interesting, amazing show. And just as, you know, just as we're closing out, what would you suggest to someone who's actually tossing around this idea? How should they go and find out more? Who is the right person that they need to contact? You know, just something that will help people that have, you know, we've we've planted the seed. Where do they go next? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think just doing a general search in their area and finding the doulas that seem like a good fit for them. If they're looking to hire a doula, the most important thing about hiring a doula is someone that you connect with. So meet with different people, find a doula that really resonates with you. Remember, this is a spiritual moment. Becoming a parent is the biggest transition of your life. You should experience that with people that feel good to you. So start there when you find someone that you think, hey, this seems like a cool person, Meet with them, get to know them, doulas offer a free consultation. Make sure you find the person that's the right fit. Learn, check their references, their backgrounds and, and their training. And uh, you know, it's a big deal. It so is take the deal. time. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been very informative, a great topic. And we will have uh, Stephanie's contact information up on our website in the next uh, 24 hours, hopefully. And thank you so much for joining us in studio. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.